Kaminsky on a quick hitting pass. It's caught by Malik Washington, and he spins forward. The ball pops out. It's scooped up. Down the sideline, Justin Wally to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown, Minnesota Golden Gophers on the first offensive play. Snap to Morgan. Hand off to Irving. Steps left. He's in. Touchdown, Minnesota Golden Gophers. What a block by Connor Olson and Slam Schluter on that left side. And Minnesota extends the lead 19-7. It's a keeper by Morgan, and he is inside the 10 to the 5. Touchdown. Untouched. Left side. First rushing touchdown of the season for Tanner Morgan on the fake handoff that went right. He and nobody was there as he found open green space to that left hash mark and into the end zone raced the Union Kentucky native and Minnesota's extended the lead to 26-7. Bucky Irving back into the game. He's got the handoff. He's trying to get the corner. He has the corner. Down the sideline. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Minnesota Golden Gophers in his hometown. Bucky Irving goes for one yards. It is a handoff to the captain. Wait, spins forward, stays on his feet, breaks a tackle. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. Touchdown. Derek the captain would not go down. And Minnesota is has 40 on the board with a captain touchdown. He broke three, four, maybe five tackles. How I think Daryl Thompson's chuckle and laugh said it all there from Evanston, Illinois yesterday. Welcome into the 651 Carpet Studios. Welcome in to Gopher Football Sunday. We're brought to you by Carrie Limo as well as Profiled by Sanford. I'm Justin Gard, and we're reviewing a Gophers victory, their fourth in a row, a 41-14 route of Northwestern as the Gophers improved to 6-2 and overall and 4-1 and in the Big Ten. They welcome Illinois back at Huntington Bank Stadium next Saturday at 11 o'clock. If you're new to the show, we carve out about an hour every Sunday to review what happened the day before with Gopher football before uh, we paint the town purple on obviously a big Vikings game coming up a little bit later tonight. And uh, we'll have a lot of Vikings covers throughout the day. But this hour is for the Gophers. It's for the Gophers fans. If you'd like to join us, at JGKFAN is probably the best way to do it on Twitter. Uh, tell me what you liked, what you didn't like from yesterday's game that really went according to the script where uh, that a lot of us thought that it would with a Northwestern team kind of in transition from their Big Ten West championship team to what the next group is going to be for them and a Gophers team that continues to improve, continues to get better, and continues to stay in the mix in the Big Ten West this year. Not just in the mix, but as we wake up this morning, uh, all alone in first place in the Big Ten West Division with a uh, setting up a very, I guess, important, impactful November here, starting with the Illini next Saturday. So what we liked, what we didn't like, and Ryan Burns from GopherIllustrated.com is going to join me at 8.15 for his regular Sunday appearance. Uh, first off the top, I just liked how you didn't allow it to become a classic Northwestern game 
where you let them hang around, you let them get motivated, you let them get, I guess, thinking that they're going to, to steal one as home underdogs. And I've seen it a million times, and there was a mini stretch yesterday where all of a sudden Northwestern makes a change at quarterback, they start moving the ball a little bit, they score a touchdown, the fans that are there, and it was actually a better crowd than I thought it would be, um, given it was a really nice day, actually, in Evanston for the first time, I think, that I can ever remember. Uh, 57 degrees, sunny skies, not cold, not too windy. It was beautiful. It was a great fall day. The crowd was actually uh, bigger than I thought it was going to be, and I've seen it, I guess, how many times have they played Northwestern? Ten in my career. They were celebrating the 20-year anniversary of their Big Ten team in 2000 that beat the Gophers at the Metrodome on a last-second Hail Mary. Like, I've seen it a million times where Northwestern kind of hangs around and then you make one mistake and they capitalize on it and all of a sudden you're trying to figure out how you lost to Northwestern. Uh, the Gophers didn't allow that to happen yesterday. And there was one mini stretch when they brought in Andrew Marty and he scored the touchdown and they cut the lead to 13-7 where all of a sudden it's something you didn't prepare for, maybe necessarily. It's something that you weren't ready for, maybe necessarily. And it's something that definitely got the crowd that was there into it. And after that, it was pretty much all gophers. You didn't you didn't make the mistake to allow them to, to hang around, which they needed because the talent deficiency uh, was stark. The gophers are much better than Northwestern. But I've seen gopher teams that have more talent and other teams in the Big Ten against Northwestern lose those games. Uh, yesterday was never really in doubt. You never allowed it to become a classic Northwestern game, letting them hang around. You got off to a solid start offensively. 12-play drive right off the jump, took over five minutes. Uh, you'd like to see it end with a touchdown. You know, the, the third down call is probably one thing that we didn't like, but they get the field goal, they get the defensive touchdown, and then they re-extended the lead when Northwestern cut it to six. When Northwestern made it 13-7, that was the moment where okay, things might get a little interesting here. This team might hang around a little bit longer than you think. And the Gophers went right back down the field. They scored a touchdown, made it 20-7, to and they never really looked back uh, from that moment. In fact, as I look at the uh, that touchdown drive uh, to make it 20-7, to it was, an, it was another one of those uh, vintage you know, Minnesota drives where they just went right down the field. So you never allowed them to... Uh, feel comfortable. You never allowed them to feel like they actually might steal it. And the biggest reason for that was because for another game, you ran the ball extremely well. And that's the other thing that we liked. Northwestern was basically dead last in scoring defense, um, or second to last in scoring defense, and then rushing defense, they're awful as well. It was a strength of the Gophers against the weakness for Northwestern, so you knew P.J. was going to try to run it a million times, which they did. And you saw the results. I mean, two running backs again, over 100 yards. Marquis Irving with 110. Kai Thomas with 106. Um, it was uh, just another ground and pound day as the Gophers ended up with over 300 yards rushing. They averaged 5.8 yards a carry. And that's why they were able to basically shrink the game to nothing and basically dominate the game in every meaningful category. They had the ball forever, right around 40 minutes. Uh, it was exactly the game plan that, that they wanted to execute, throwing the ball a little bit in the first half, uh, finding different receivers other than Chris Ottman-Bell, and uh, that was pretty much it. I mean, I'm not going to ho-hum a, a huge, a massive, and when I say massive, I mean in terms of score, road win on the road, but in the Big Ten for your fourth consecutive win, but that was kind of how it felt. It was, we're better than this team, 
we know we're better than this team. We're going to run it down their throats all afternoon. And that's what they did. They threw the ball kind of in the first half when they really needed to. Tanner Morgan was 12 of 17 for 134 yards, had the pick. But they just uh, did what they needed to do to get out of there with a victory. And now they set up a November that is everything that you wanted uh, to have an opportunity to represent the uh, the West. And there's a, a huge couple huge games coming down the stretch. But now that the Gophers have put themselves in this position, we can start talking about those huge games. And we will do that with uh, Ryan Burns here in a few minutes. In terms of what we didn't like, obviously the injuries. It's just you can't make it up. It's You really can't make up what has happened with the uh, with the running back situation. I mean, going all the way back to Mo Ibrahim and then Trey Potts coming in, establishing himself, him going out. You've got Camp Wiley, who I was never really counting on to really take the mantle anyway in the transfer portal, but it certainly affects your depth and it certainly affects you know moving guys in different positions. And we heard we saw Derek LeCaptain, a linebacker, come in at the end, and PJ told me and others, yeah, that's our contingency plan if we do lose another guy or two, and we may have another guy or two that we're going to move back over there as well. I mean, back in the spring, they had more or less six running backs that they were you know, feeling okay about at any point, or at least intrigued about. I can't imagine they ever believed they would actually get down to running backs four and five and possibly more as this season goes along. But Bryce Williams getting hurt, absolute buzzkill. It comes on the heels of you know, really – Another thing that we liked from the game yesterday, that Tanner Morgan threw the ball to his running backs a couple of times, and the Bryce Williams run was a nice third down catch and run where two Northwestern defenders ran into each other, allowing Bryce to get free. He picked up a first down, kept the chains moving on that drive. Really nice drive. Uh, it ends, though, with Bryce Williams getting hurt. Looked like a left foot. Uh, looked, you know, He was done immediately. They carted him off. Didn't come out of the locker room for the second half. Um, I'm sure we'll get more info on it, but when he's not even really back out there at all after, um, that's uh, not going to be good news. And uh, now you're down to two freshmen, and they're both really good players. I think we saw that, but I just more worry about with the teams that are coming up, and as much as P.J. wants to run the ball, can you keep those two healthy the rest of the year? You've already lost your top three, and there's different reasons for it. Obviously, a lot of them are, are completely different injuries, but that's what I worry about moving forward is where do you turn to next now that you're definitely down to the air with the pair and the spare and the air. You're through the pair and the spare. Here's the air. Now, the air is very good. The air is talented. The air were both four-star recruits, Kai Thomas and Bucky Irving. Uh, the air has a lot of ability, but you're down to the air now, and what happens should something else go wrong in that room? And I've talked about it a million times just in general. Uh, one of the biggest buzzkills just of the job is watching, you know, watching injuries happen because especially in college where, you know, you're, you're not, you're not making money. It's not, you know, the professional deal where it's your job. It's you put basically 365 days a year into 12, maybe 13, maybe 14. If you're one of the top four teams, maybe 15 opportunities to play. And for a kid like Bryce Williams, who had waited patiently behind some really good running backs, was making the most out of his opportunity to get hurt. It, nothing but a buzzkill. And there was definitely, um, you could definitely feel that buzzkill momentarily on the field when everybody realized that Bryce was done for the day and, and probably probably more, just given everything that he'd put into it and the fact that it, it looked like it was going to be his turn to at least make an impact on the field. So that's disappointing. Um, also, what we didn't like, 
Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a yin and a yang. I liked that they went for it at the end of the first half. That they tried to be more aggressive. Um, we all talked about last week when they got super conservative against Maryland, went for the field goal, got blocked. Got we're lucky that it wasn't a tie game because Maryland couldn't scoop and score there. Um, I like the fact that they were more aggressive. I'm sure PJ lost his mind when that ball went. Uh, deflected off of Daniel Jackson and was intercepted in the end zone that they weren't going to get any points there with Northwestern getting the ball back. But I that that's how you to me that's what you do in that situation, regardless of who you're playing, because you've been moving the ball all day. You've got your timeouts. You've you don't get the ball back to start the second half. So it's a time where you can steal another possession. The defense gave you a three and out after you extended the lead to to seventeenth. After you extended the lead to twenty to seven, I should say. So the fact that the defense got you the ball back quickly, that Northwestern had three incompletions that ran no clock, and you had the ball with all that time left, a hundred percent was the right thing to to keep going and move it. Um, and I'm sure PJ lost his mind, like I said, when the interception went up. But they actually dialed up a different play, either the play before or two plays before, for Chris Ottman Bell on a little double move that. Northwestern wasn't going to let Chris Ottman Bell beat them. I think he saw that all day. He was pretty much bracketed, so there was nowhere for Tanner to go with the ball. But they they had multiple things dialed up in that series to try to get another touchdown, to try to basically put the game out of hand before halftime. And it didn't work out. But I like the fact that they tried it. I like the fact that they did it. They're going to need it at some point. There's going to be a game or two. I'm looking at November 13th against Iowa. I'm looking at the last game against Wisconsin where you're going to have to maximize every time you get the ball against those defenses. You have to be aggressive. And so to you got to practice it. You got to keep it in there. You got to have the mentality that you're going to do it. So didn't end up the way you wanted it to with the interception. You weren't going to get any points out of it. But I it much it felt a lot better than the week before when it felt like you left something on the table because of your own doing, not just a football play. So I had no problem with that. I assume most people in the audience had no problem with it either. And come out the second half, they get to stop, they score, and the game was basically over. JG at K, uh, JGKFAN is my Twitter handle. Uh, tweet questions to me, Burnsy, what you liked, what you didn't like from yesterday's victory. 41-14 over Northwestern. The Gophers are now 6-2-4-1 and two and four and one in the Big Ten. As we sit today in first place in the Big Ten West with a very important stretch of November games starting next Saturday at home against Illinois. When we come back, we'll see what Burns he liked. Follow him at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter and listen to him when we come back here on Gopher Football. Into the fan. Gopher Football Sunday. Garthy here in the 651 Carpet Studios. It's right around 815, 820, which means it's time to go to the Connecticut Water Systems Hotline and talk to our guy Ryan Burns from gopherillustrated.com. You can listen to him on the Gopher Gridiron podcast, which I recommend a couple of times a week, as well as the Pair and a Spare podcast he does with Chip Scoggins and me. Drops every single Tuesday. And Burnsy, it's a good time to have a, a Big Ten Gopher-related college football podcast. In your case, you've got a couple because the Gophers are 6-2, and two atop the Big Ten West, and have set themselves up for a second 
time in three years, a very impactful November. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Brett was keeping me a little bit late there. He was telling me how Graham Mertz had a good day yesterday, and I told him he's out of his mind. But, uh, yes, your uh, go for football team, 4-0 and in October, exactly what you wanted. You needed to get through a stretch where if you were going to be Big Ten West contenders, that had to be 4-0. and They're able to do it. Uh, we're seeing kind of the identity of this team evolve a little bit each week as Flex said afterwards in his press conference because of all the different personnel changes that we've seen offensively. But here you are going into November, and I know that a lot of people in this fan base still can't let go of the whole Bowling Green thing. Well, you're going into November here with a one-game lead in the Big Ten West. So it's uh, we've seen this team come a long way in the last six weeks, haven't we, Justin? Well, we have, and, and we talked about it at the time, like – that, that loss was a disaster. It was embarrassing. I mean, P.J. Fleck said it himself. He goes, it was the worst I've ever been as a head coach. You have to – but it was a long time ago, and you got to move on. Like, they didn't stop the season then. Like, it – obviously, it, it wasn't good. It was terrible. It was probably the worst loss in college football this year. Uh, Bowling Green's coach got tossed yesterday, by the way, um, I guess, Saw for that. arguing calls. Uh, I got an alert on my phone during the game, like, I think from the athletic, just like, oh, the, their coach got tossed, which is interesting. It's like that was, to live in that in that pass. I, I don't know what it's doing for people because um, they've got now again they could lose two of the next four, three of the next four, four of the next four, and then then the whole season's a buzzkill, and that's just a part of it. But to me, it seems like wasted energy at this point, given that there's a, there's more important games to play. It was bad. I don't know what else you can say about it. It was bad. It was a month and a half ago, and now they've got important games coming up where they're obviously going to have to play better than they did against Bowling Green to win. Well, it was interesting to hear right there you say, you know, if they lose two of the next four, it's a buzzkill. And I'm thinking to myself, you'd be eight and four with six Big Ten wins. You really think a six Big Ten win season would be a buzzkill in 2021 here? Uh, Buzzkill might be strong, but it'd be disappointing given what we think we know about Iowa and what we think we know about Wisconsin. You know, that I don't think you've got greatness in either one of those teams. And I would say this is, it seems like this is a nice opportunity that the the Gophers you know don't they haven't had all that often so that would that's why I would say it might be a buzzkill yeah well I'm with you I mean I think Minnesota's got a I mean like you said I, I don't know how much of the Iowa Wisconsin game you got to watch yesterday but first half uh, I I think you'd probably agree with me in saying I think Tanner Morgan makes Graham Mertz and and Spencer Petrus. uh Tanner Morgan looks like Tom Brady compared to those two because holy cow are those two quarterbacks absolutely brutal. Um, and that's where, I mean, you look at the defense here in the month of October for Minnesota, they allowed like 16 points a game to Nebraska, Maryland, uh, Northwestern. And, um, you know, that's where you look at the upcoming four teams compared to the last four teams that Minnesota just played offensively. The next four teams in Illinois, Iowa, uh, Indiana and Wisconsin, they have, I, I would imagine, an offensive efficiency. They're among the bottom 25 in the country. These are brutal, brutal offenses. And if Joe Rossi, Minnesota's defensive coordinator, can hold them to 17 points a game or less with what this offense has done, which, oh, by the way, Minnesota is now second in the Big Ten in conference play in points per game at 31. I mean, even if you can put up 20 points against Wisconsin or Iowa, I mean, would you agree with me? you got to feel good about your chances of winning a football game against Wisconsin or Iowa with the state of their current offenses. If you can put up 
even 20 points. Now, I, I get it that that's a lot easier said than done because Wisconsin and Leo Chanel are right. fantastic defensively. If you've listened to the Parent of Spare podcast, you know how much of a fanboy I am of Jim Leonard, Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, to the point where Justin just tunes me out at this point. Yeah. But even with, you know, even with Iowa's defense, I mean, they, it's, uh, you're starting to see what happens when you don't force in, you know, eight turnovers a week for Iowa. But, I mean, those are two good defenses. But even putting up 20 points a game, Justin, in those two contests, you'd have to feel good about your chances. Yeah, and let's talk about how they get there now because they are down, as I said in the open, they're legitimately down to the air, and I don't even know what's after the air in pair and a spare and air that PJ talked about in July because Bryce Williams get hurt, gets hurt yesterday, didn't look good. Um, don't know what it means long term, but certainly when when you don't even attempt to come back and it's a foot thing or an ankle thing, like I think you can kind of read between the lines that it's something more serious than just an ankle sprain or a tweak or something like that. So you're down to the four-star freshman. You're down to Kai Thomas, the redshirt, and Bucky Irving, the true freshman. Um, let's start, though, with what you saw just from the offensive line in general. And, and really, this one, Burnsy, as I looked at it all week, was Northwestern can't stop anybody on the ground. You know Minnesota wants to run it one million times. So as long as they can figure it out enough, that's probably what they're going to do, and that's what we saw yesterday. I think this, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, if you want to be optimistic about Minnesota actually getting it done in the West this year, I think I'd also say the way that Minnesota's offensive line is playing right now, I think they're playing the best out of the trio between Iowa and Wisconsin and the Gophers right now. And I don't think it's a coincidence that since Curtis Dunlap has entered the portal, this this group has really taken it to the next level in the last three games. Uh, what has changed? Well, You've had Blaze Andrews get a full-time role at right guard. Daniel Falele get a full-time role at right tackle. And I think Axel Rushmeyer is a much better fit as that sixth offensive lineman. Uh, he's definitely more mobile, I think, than what Curtis Dunlap provided. And you've kind of seen some synergy amongst them. It's like, heaven forbid, now you have right. five offensive linemen playing 100% of the snaps, and now things are starting to click, and you've run for 300 yards in back-to-back weeks against Big Ten defenses. It, it it has to leave you optimistic. Even yesterday in, in pass protection, I don't think Tanner Morgan was really uh, ever hit on 17 dropbacks. You run for 300 yards. You know, Derek LeCaptain, you know, oh, captain, my captain, your guy, Derek LeCaptain, uh, <laughs> former walk-on that is now a linebacker, now a running back, now on scholarship, is able to uh, elude some tacklers, and we get into him in a bit. But I mean, that's why is this offensive line and the Minnesota moving company up front overall with Keefe and Brevin Spanford. I think the thing that has me optimistic with this running game is, yes, the two four-star freshmen, but you're seeing the variations that offensive coordinator Mike Stanford is running in terms of the different things in the run game. Because you know Minnesota's going to run zone. You know they're going to uh, mix in some, some gap scheme stuff with the pullers. But I think he's doing a really good job, Sanford is, in varying what the run look is. Because the last two weeks, Maryland and Northwestern, and I have, just like you do, a lot of respect for a Pat Fitzgerald defense, even though they're certainly in a rebuilding year with everything they lost. I think they lost six all-conference defensive uh, players from last year. And now, obviously, they're going through a little bit of a transition. But you know that they're going to be disciplined. And you know that they're at least going to have an idea of what's going on. And that's where it was fun to watch here on the rewatch that – you know, Minnesota's doing some different things with, you know, how they motion their tight ends. Uh, they weren't exactly always coming across for a wham block. They were sometimes staying on that side of the field, which 
uh, give you a little bit different uh, variation in the run game. So I think Sanford and what these guys up front are doing uh, have to make you optimistic that, uh, you know, look going into next week's game against Illinois, they've actually got a pretty decent defense. They've only allowed yep. 24 points or less the last six games. Now it's their offense that's uh, a little bit of a disaster right now, but uh, the running game is exactly where Fleck wants to live. Everybody knows it, and it starts with those guys up front. Well, and then you look at Tanner's day. You mentioned he wasn't really pressured at all. I remember him being hit one time, and it was actually a hands-to-the-face penalty, so it tacked on 15 yards. So I think it was the, that was the Dalen Wright catch. That was a great catch by Dalen. But he's 12-17, 134 yards. He's got the pick, which we can talk about. But even going into the game, Bernsey, that I was even surprised to learn was that the Gophers were second in the conference in terms of yards per attempt on passing downs or pass completions like right around 8.8 yards, I think it was. And I'm assuming they're behind Ohio State in that one. You could probably tell me. But they they obviously have not thrown a lot. But you look at the even starting with the Purdue game, like when they have thrown, they're getting chunk plays out of it, and they're getting what they need at that time for the most part out of the passing game. And does it need to probably be more at some point? Yeah, I would imagine so. Probably starting maybe as soon as this week, like you mentioned with Illinois defense, but certainly against Iowa, certainly against Wisconsin. Um, but what I like is that, you know, nice plays by Mike Brown Stevens yesterday. Chris Ottman Bell's catch was for a first down. Dalen Wright's catch was for a first down. Like they were able to move it uh, when they needed to through the air. And then you know, as we've said, once, once PJ knows he can shut it down, he's going to shut it down. But, I still think there's a level to the passing game that they can get to because I feel like we've seen it here in spurts they've, when they've been throwing on their own terms. Yes, um, you know I definitely agree. You are correct. Minnesota is second in the conference still in, in yards per attempt behind a uh, Buckeye team that is continuing to just play offensively at a level that is a college football playoff contender, but we can get into that in the spare and you're right. Where we're going to need to see the pass. I feel like we've said this, and you know, today's Halloween. Tomorrow's November. I feel like we've said this now for eight weeks. Is we're going to have to see it from the passing game here eventually. But I mean, this is exactly PJ Flex dream: is running the ball for three hundred something yards, dominating time of possession, forty to twenty. Now, to your point, and I think everyone's largely their thought process: you're not going to be able to do that against Wisconsin and Iowa. That's not the way to beat Wisconsin and Iowa is you're not going to be able to do it on the ground. You have to do it through the air. And that's where – how many Big Ten quarterbacks are you taking over Tanner Morgan? Now, I also understand that question is loaded into the Big Ten West quarterbacks are largely not good. <laughs> right. Is it is the list for you now at this point after Adrian Martinez, I can tell you the Nebraska media yesterday is not having it with Adrian Martinez potentially coming back for 2022 as – Nebraska mm. loses another football game. Is the list only Aiden O'Connell ahead of Tanner Morgan for you, or where does Tanner rank? Oh man, I hate when you do this to me. I mean, I love CJ when I Stroud, do this to you because I know that I know I'd probably take CJ, um, even though CJ's obviously got a ton of weapons. So, but he's throwing it all over the place from from and what I gather. I have a Ten West. Oh, in the Big Ten West, yeah, maybe Aiden O'Connell because Aiden O'Connell throw you know he throws picks too, like the what. Like what I like about Tanner is like he's he's not I mean obviously this is, sounds dumb because he threw a pick yesterday but it's like he doesn't he hasn't been putting it in harm's way and I think the way that this team is played with the way that they want to play defensively and running the ball and everything around it like 
he he's not. I don't think he's going to put you in terrible situations. Now he's had a couple of bad picks this season. Obviously, the uh, was it the Nebraska pick? The second one was brutal. Um, but for the most part, he he takes care of the ball. He he knows where it's supposed to go. He knows how to run things. Like he knows what P, PJ talked about it yesterday. That he he knows how exactly how he, PJ wants the game run, and he knows how Mike Sanford wants it called. So yeah, I'm I, yeah. I, I, so probably maybe O'Connell. Certainly not Mertz at this point. Certainly not Petrus at this point. And the numbers there were just a brutal again yesterday. So yeah, I I, have, I would say I have faith and trust like that. He's not going to put him in a bad situation. That would be my. That would be how I would say it. But in the West, yeah, probably right. But we are going to have to see it him uh, from him either in Iowa City or that final game of the season against Wisconsin, where he's going to have to win them a football game at some point. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, you can draw back to that 2019, where whether it was Auburn, whether it was Penn State, um, some of those non-conference games where they had to drive down the field late in the game with the passing game to be able to win it. Georgia Southern comes to mind. You've seen him do it before, but it'd be, it'd be nice if you know maybe uh, before, uh, hopefully not before Iowa City with Illinois coming into town next week. But I think the point remains. I mean, whether it is Ottman Bell or Dalen Wright or Michael Brown Stevens or now Daniel Jackson who's back, I mean, you are about as healthy as you've been at the pass catching position all season now. Uh, you've got all right. four of what you thought were going to be your top options with Ottman Bell, and then what Brown Stevens has been able to do. Uh, Dalen Wright and then Daniel Jackson. Plus, you know, we'll see if Minnesota starts to involve the tight ends in the passing game again. Will Bremen span forward? But again, this has the potential to be a good passing offense, but because they've run the ball so well, they haven't really had to lean on it here recently. Ryan Burns, GopherIllustrated.com, joining me on the fan here. It's Gopher Football Sunday. Follow Burnsy at Ryan Burns MN on Twitter. I, yeah, I feel like there's things they haven't seen, uh, haven't shown, or we haven't seen in the passing game, uh, certainly, that they're going to have to lean on. There's also things in the Wildcat, I'm sure, that they haven't done. We didn't see a ton of Wildcat yesterday. So when you look at what you didn't like from yesterday, Burnsy, what jumps out at you? And when you win 41-14, there's probably not a ton. I went with injuries as one of them because the Bryce Williams thing is a buzzkill, to use that word again. But what was? Uh, were there anything stuck in your craw from yesterday's game? Yeah, I mean, the, ro- the whole running back room is in a precarious spot for the final four games. And I don't know what Flex is going to do um, because, I mean, you saw Kai Thomas coming out of halftime who was battling some cramping issues, I believe, is what mm-hmm. you, the diligent sideline reporter that you are, was saying. <laughs> yep. And that's where you were literally down to a running back at that point and Marquis serving. Now Kai's able to figure it out and get back on. But I do think their number three running back for the next four games is going to be Derek LeCaptain. Uh, a converted linebacker. He's number three linebacker for them. Uh, if folks don't know, I believe uh, he ran for something crazy in high school, like 7,000 yards and then 100 touchdowns, and I believe his high school was Southern Door in Wisconsin. Uh, so, I mean, he has had some experience. He saw that on the run yesterday, which was – that's the best run I've ever seen from a linebacker. Uh, I'll, tell you, mm-hmm. I'll tell you that much. But you are just in an odd spot because – you're going to have to lean on the running game. You know, PJ is going to want to. You're going to see 40 carries probably next week. Still 20 about each for Marquise and 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 uh, and Kai Thomas. But I mean, the Bryce the Bryce Williams things hurts because, as you said, uh, I think in the lead, you know, that ankle injury didn't look good. Uh, anytime you're immediately 
you know, from the rewatch, his ankle just gets caught up underneath there. I don't know. I mean, best case, hopefully a high ankle or a low ankle, but he's going to miss some time here. And you're going to be down to, like you said, the air and the pair and the spare there. As far as what else I didn't like, you know, I think if we want to get nitpicky, those first couple of offensive possessions, when things got in the red zone, I hated right. some of those play calls. Uh, it was, uh, I was kind of perplexed. It looked like uh, Paul Chris trying to call a red zone, which hasn't been incredibly great for Wisconsin this year. But, you know, Minnesota is able to obviously end the game with three touchdown drives to make this thing 41 14. You know, Andrew Marty at quarterback for Northwestern. I think that quarterback change, I know Joe Rossi, Minnesota's defensive coordinator, said he prepared for it. You know, it definitely added a little bit of variation there that you saw on their uh, their first touchdown drive of the game where he kind of comes in mid-drive. They're able to do some th- some different things. But I don't know that – I mean, again, in a 41-14 to win, is there a ton that you want to kind of nitpick other no. than that? No, I mean – the, yeah, you're right. The play calling, especially on the first third down uh, or dr- the last third down of the first drive, where it, it's third and six or seven, and they and they run wildcat with Cole Kramer, and he basically runs right into the line of scrimmage. Like that doesn't make a ton of sense. Like that's what we talk about. Like moving forward, when you're going to need to maximize against some of these better defenses, like that's what's going to hurt you. That's why it's worth bringing up. Because did it hurt you yesterday? No, of course not. You were going to be able to do whatever you wanted to do against Northwestern, and you did. It's the we're thinking at this point the bigger picture of in that situation against Iowa, against Wisconsin, who knows, maybe next week against Illinois, probably not. But that's the stuff where when you get into the red zone, you have to maximize against those defenses. And so when you just run it into the back of the line on third and seven, like that's going to be in the back of our minds as we watch those games later this November, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And again, that's where, in the words of PJ Fleck, they'll need to change their best in that aspect where <laughs> against Iowa and against Wisconsin, where you're not an overwhelming favorite. Um, well, you know, Minnesota, I think, was ended up being an eight point road favorite yesterday. And then against Maryland, they were a favorite as well. I don't know if they'll be favored in Iowa City. I don't know that they'll be favored against Wisconsin to end the year. So, in games that on paper and in Vegas are going to be much more tightly contested, that's where you're hoping that. With that end of the first half interception from Tanner, um, which by the way, on the rewatch, I think Tanner might have gotten his arm hit, which kind of affected the accuracy there, but I digress on that aspect. You hope that because Fleck was aggressive and then, then the result was the result in interception, you hope that against Iowa or against Wisconsin, when that situation before half comes up again, he doesn't fall back into his risk-averse ways. He's got to play aggressive, and he, if you have to settle for the field goal, sure. But I think in those instances, I hope that he just does not go back into a shell there with the risk-averse against Iowa and Wisconsin. I'm with you. Uh, final couple of minutes with Burnsy. How did Michigan State beat Michigan? Were you able to watch any of that? I did. I saw very little of that game. The last I heard, Michigan was up 30-14. to 14. Um, Rough morning, I assume, for Jim Harbaugh. Who loses to a rival? You know, we we like to think. You know, we hear all the time that PJ's one and seven against Wisconsin and Iowa, which is true. It's factual. Uh, needs to get better for the program to take the next step. Those are the two teams you're competing against. But it's another gut wrenching, heartbreaking from the jaws of victory loss to Michigan State for Jim Harbaugh. How did that happen? Uh, some untimely turnovers for Michigan. I mean, that was that was a crazy game. Maybe one of the best games of the year so far. Uh, for Michigan State, how did they do it? They got some timely turnovers, including uh, a pick to seal it. But, I mean, the story of the game was Kenneth Walker had his Heisman moment. 
Now, we'll see how Michigan State finishes out November here, but Kenneth Walker went the Michigan State running back, 23 carries, 197 yards, and five, count them, five touchdowns, um, where the quarterback, Peyton Thorne, kind of had a, a bad day. I, thought, I felt bad for Cade McNamara, Michigan's quarterback, because he played largely very well throughout many stretches of that game now. He had a, a fumble go out of bounds that he was lucky about, and then finally Michigan State gets a nice one-handed type of interception to end it, but it was too many turnovers. There was a fumble that was lost for Michigan. Michigan State capitalizes. Michigan State's able to grab the lead, and then a late interception by Michigan State's able to put it down. But again, I mean, Michigan State just continues to have the number of Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, Mel Tucker, you know, we can talk about it on Parent Spare, but, I mean, that number for what LSU or USC is going to be trying to pay Mel Tucker, because you know, like I do, I think that buyout's only $2.5 million dollars. There is going to be a lot of people trying to uh, figure out how they can get Mel Tucker to come coach their football team here in about two months. Yeah, you're right. And that LSU job in particular makes sense. Um, Even I know they've got their sights allegedly set on some of the bigger names out there, but you look at what he's done in relatively a short time and, and the whole vibe in East Lansing yesterday, like I thought, you know, Michigan was, you know, I thought the 30 to 14 was probably how it was going to go just because Michigan needed that game more. And Michigan state says, no, we're good. We're, we might be Cinderella, but we'll, we'll hang in there. And, and your guy, Jay Johnson found a way to get it done again. The former Gopher offensive coordinator, the Lakeville native who's now at Michigan state. Yeah. You feel, you feel good for him, man. I mean, again, he only had the one for year sure. here with Tracy clays and it kind of went pear shaped with everything that went down in that final year of Tracy clays. But, he picked the right guy to attach to as he was the offensive coordinator at Colorado with Mel Tucker, comes over to Michigan State and has this thing humming against what I thought was a pretty good Michigan defense, able to put up 37 points in the day. And Ohio State continues to do Ohio State things where they just put up ungodly amounts of points every week. And it's going to be a fun, uh, and hopefully for Minnesota fans, a November to remember here in November. And lastly, Illinois is the opponent next. They followed up the uh, the big victory on the road, nine overtimes against Penn State by losing at home back at Memorial Stadium to Rutgers. What should we know about this Illinois team moving forward? <laughs> uh, well, that's a good question. Now they've had they've gone through uh, a few different quarterbacks, and I'll tell you the the key thing for Illinois offensively is quarterbacks because I think their top two leading receivers are former quarterbacks in Deuce Williams. And Isaiah Williams, it's it's a whole different uh, type of thing. They did have Art Sitowski, the former Rutgers quarterback. He got out. Uh, he's knocked out for the year. Brandon Peters is back in. Uh, he went 14-19 yesterday, was efficient, but that offense really struggled. I mean, they didn't even put up 300 yards of total offense at home, which is why Rutgers, who wasn't exactly trending in the right direction, uh, was able to do what they did. But this is an Illinois defense that – for as many, for the struggles of the offense, which I don't know that they have a ton of playmakers offensively in their pass catching core. They've got a really good running back in Chase Brown. But what Ryan Walters, the former Missouri defensive coordinator, has done at Illinois in year one can't go understated because I believe it is six straight games where Illinois has allowed 24 points or less. And it's part of the reason why they're two and four instead of 0 oh and six is that defense has been able to stand up a couple times. So, I'd also mention that the top two linebackers are out for the year, and it's pretty remarkable that Ryan Walters has got this fighting Illini defense playing the the way they do. But 
it's going to be another this cannot be a you know classic quote unquote look ahead game for Minnesota. I mean, you have to win this game. You know, it's probably somewhere going to be around what I thought yesterday was going to be 24-13. You have to come away from an 11 a.m. game at home uh with a victory to continue that Big 10 winning streak to 5 to put yourself in a spot to with three games remaining and two of them against Iowa and Wisconsin to be in contention for this thing in the West because as you said, this thing is about as wide open as we've seen. And Minnesota's got to capitalize on that opportunity. We will listen to Gopher Gridiron tonight. I will see you on Tuesday for Pair and a Spare. And uh, thanks for everything you do for Gopher Football Sunday, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You got the coffee this week. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Ryan Burns, GopherIllustrated.com on the Connecticut Water Systems Hotline. We'll kind of go around the Big Ten when we come back and also look ahead to the Illinois game as well as what's to come this November, which uh, the Gophers have put themselves in a very nice position for these meaningful games here the final four weeks. We'll wrap up Go for Football Sunday when we come back. On the fan. Welcome back. Final segment, Gopher Football Sunday. The Gophers beat Northwestern 41-14 yesterday. They improved to 6-2 overall, 4-1 and in the Big Ten. Host Illinois next week back at home at Huntington Bank Stadium. 11 o'clock kick. Pre-game show will start at 9, and the KFAN Buffalo Wild Wings tailgate will start at 8 o'clock right across the street from the stadium. Might be chilly. Buffalo Wild Wings is a good spot to tailgate next Saturday morning, so join us there starting at 8. As I look forward to uh, this November, which for the Gophers is Illinois at Iowa at Indiana and hosting Wisconsin, I just I have a sneaking suspicion the Big Ten West Division title will come down to that final game, Minnesota and Wisconsin, like it did a couple of years ago. With the Badgers now, after starting 1-3, and three, seeming to uh, establishing themselves a little bit better, uh, crushing Iowa yesterday at home, they're five and three and three and two for all the negativity and for all the the buzzkill about them and and their fans from earlier this season. They're a game back in the West, and you take a look at their schedule. It's at Rutgers, it's Northwestern and Nebraska at home, and then the Gophers. So they're going to be favored in their you know the, the three games leading up into that final one. So uh, regardless of what happens for the Gophers, let's say they they are undefeated the rest of the way, like they're still going to be a, an opportunity. Um, at the end of the season for Wisconsin there. So it's um, I think it's building towards that either way. Let's say the Gophers drop a game. They're still going to be in that mix. They are undefeated. I think Wisconsin's going to, unless they stub their toes somewhere, and I'm not exactly sure where that's going to be. I might say at Rutgers is the, is the most likely scenario because I don't think they're losing at home to Northwestern. I don't think Nebraska's beating them uh, at Camp Randall. So uh, their schedule, after being tough early, kind of sets up now for them to uh, to continue their little run that they're on and continue to make themselves a factor. Don't know what to think about the Iowa game at this point. I've seen a million Iowa seasons where their offense is a complete debacle, and then I've gone down to Kinnick and seen them put up 21 points in the first half. Like So I have no idea which way, uh, what to think on the Iowa side of things you know, moving forward here in a couple of weeks. But I do think it is trending towards a uh, Big Ten West Championship game again with uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota on November 27th, a couple of days after Thanksgiving at Huntington Bank Stadium. So that's kind of how I view it. But the cool thing, if you're a Gopher fan, 
is you're in the mix, and that's all you asked for. That's all I asked for going into November was put yourself in a position where these November games are going to be meaningful and impactful, and they are. They're massive. They're huge. And you've got your rivals coming up. You've obviously got Illinois next Saturday, but you've uh, put yourself in a position with how you've played to uh, to make all of this matter here for the next month, which is, as uh, for me, as good as it gets because there's going to be some fun games here, important games here coming down the stretch. Thanks to Ryan Burns. Go for Illustrated.com. He'll join me on Parent is Bear along with Chip Scoggins a little bit later this week. Thanks to senior producer Brett Blakemore. We kick it back to Dave Sinekin for Sunday Sermons. Dan off again today. Two-hour tour on Sermons. Dave takes over right after this.